everybody and also may the force be with you because it's May 4th and I'm a Star Wars nerd so welcome everybody. I'm your host Nicole and with me as always is my partner in crime Miss Tina Kay. Hi Nicole. I love I had that to. opening. I'm a Star Wars girl. I'm all like I had people today at work. We're already jumping into this but someone was like have you seen the Mandalorian and I'm like it's the only reason why we got Disney plus. I didn't need another subscription service people. <laughs> Well, who hasn't been Princess Leia growing up? Like I was, I was rocking the side buns for oh. a few years. <laughs> no, I love it. Like we even, my, my kid, um, my, my children are um, almost 10 and eight, my boys and total diehard Star Wars people. And so they love, um, you know, the rebel clone wars, like the cartoons. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not watching a cartoon. I'm a grown woman. And then the next thing I know, I'm like invested what's going on. (laughs) And I'm in this cartoon world. So I think for all ages, it's just, it's amazing. And I just think the whole thing's pretty cool to be able to share with your kids. Absolutely. Brings us together. Yeah. So how have you been? What's new? Oh, uh, been working out in the yard. Uh, I have those beautiful tulips that I planted last fall. They're, they're popping, they're beautiful and just really getting my hands in the dirt and the ground and feeding getting all, oh my gosh, feeding my soul, being grounded and just finding a lot of joy being outside, getting that, some of that natural vitamin D too. <laughs> so I need, I need that. I need that little bit of energy boost. So it's been fabulous. I love that. Now, I think that's always what I love about this time is year of year, excuse me, is new beginnings, new mm-hmm. starts, um, a fresh, you know, fresh perspective as after coming out of the winter months or coming out of COVID, so to speak. Yeah. Well, you're doing a lot of stuff in your yard too. So oh, attempting, I'm not a, a green thumb, like you are my friend I'm, I'm trying, but we're just been busy um, with sports. My kids are in the thicket of baseball and soccer and track. And I absolutely love that. That fills my heart with joy when you get to see your kids doing something that they love and that they're thriving. And oh, yeah. I just, they're Again, I sent you a picture of my son. His face was magical. Like he was so proud of himself um, at baseball. So that just feeds my soul. Yeah, it's 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 such a beautiful thing to see your kids grow and and um, really work on talents and skills and just feel good about accomplishing. It's such good um, life skills that they're developing right now, Um, being in sports and understanding how to handle emotions and and how to strive to to accomplish their goals. So. No, and I think that's such an, an important thing as parents and not even parents, anybody making, making sure you're, you're taking the time you're utilizing resources that are available to you to, you know, feed your soul and really navigate and figure out what's important to you. So you can spread 
that knowledge and information to the people we care about. And that's why our amazing powerhouse that we have on Dare to Rise tonight, I can speak, Tina and I are so honored to have um, our guests on tonight, Carmel Clark. Um, she's a professional instigator. Um, she trains and mentors today's rising powerhouse leaders. She is sought out internationally by coaches, trainers, entrepreneurs, and those on the path to becoming their own authority for the purpose of greater gravitas and influence in their work. Through her company, Center for Transformational Influence, Carmel designed her signature programs to build the person while also building relationships, business, career, and life vision. Her first book, The Transformation Effect, is due to be published this year. Carmel reveals that we are the transformation effect. It is the influence we uniquely possess that unintentionally sparks transformation between ourselves and others. And, and another. She sidesteps the popular guru model in self-help and returns us to our own authenticity through coming into our own natural authority. Since 2012, Carmel has been using her company to establish a growing international platform while she has created location independence. You will find her working, speaking, and living in the US, Europe, India, Indian, Indonesia. This lady is a globetrotter. People. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> As desired in clients from San Francisco to New York to New Delhi. She's often invited to lead or MC significant events such as Oprah Winfrey's Beyond Belief series. Wow. Yeah. I told you guys, powerhouse guys, we're, we're, this is awesome. Um, a skilled storyteller, international speaker, world adventurer, and leader. Carmel is passionate, is a passionate expert on resolving the problems of ego and the paradox of power and control in human behavior. She's dedicated to the raising of consciousness to new levels in order to generate more authentic connection, collaboration, and lasting influence. And with that, welcome Carmel to Dare to Rise. Welcome. <laughs> wow, that was so long. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, I, it needed to be shared though. You again, um, that is not even the, like, that's not even everything she's accomplished everybody. I, I mean, that's just, you've done so much and it's truly inspiring. So mm -hmm. we needed to, um, definitely designate that time to share what we did. Well, you did a beautiful job, Nicole. And thank you so much for that introduction. And thank you both for having me on the podcast. I mean, when we had our little sit down about a month ago, was it like, it just seems like, I don't know, like so it much has like happened. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> it was so magical though. So it seems yeah. a long time away. And yet I, I am so excited for tonight. <laughs> I <laughs> just re-experience it all with you. Oh, it was great. Like we just like time just kind of stood still and we were just in that that amazing magical bubble for like yeah. a couple hours. It was, I think. it was a special moment. And again, to have you on May 4th, I just think is so like serendipitous in yes. my world. So I just love that. <laughs> uh, well, I am delighted to be here with both of you and to be invited on the Dare to Rise podcast. Uh, just the name itself, just it, it speaks to exactly what I feel in, inside all the time. And I think that that's something we can't miss every opportunity to try and further in every person that we meet, right? Like that ability to reach within ourselves further than we may have considered possible, or even that we would let ourselves go after, right? I mean, here, the podcast is a, a direct result of that very thing, I think. Mm -hmm. So, which is just amazing. Um, so I, for me personally, the things that we had talked about uh, sharing here, and, and I wanted to, you know, just I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit to this concept of how we radically accept ourselves exactly as we are. 
because this is, you know, there, there's a lot out there that just, you know, says, think positively about yourself or, you know, take care of yourself by having more baths or getting more massages or, or things like that. And all of those are great, but I don't think that any of those really cut down to the, the true core of our self-acceptance, uh, of, of who we are just as we are. And that's what I really want to dive into tonight. So if I could just kind of throw that out on the table. Oh, we love it. We're, yeah. we're all in. We're both in. <laughs> we're pot committed. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny how everything kind of came down to this work that I do right now because it was my own journey. And I didn't even know that that's, you know, exactly what was going on. And I think you probably can relate to that, like your own journeys, like there's so much happening and you're handling and you're trying to grow as best you can through the struggles and the challenges that you're meeting. And where do you find the truth for yourself when you are facing those struggles and challenges? Where do you go? How do you do it? And in my own journey, I found that I needed to get rid of all the authorities around me because all those authorities had told me all my life who I was what my value was and what it was based on and what I needed to do to continue to have that value with who, I mean, you know, everybody else outside of myself. And, and then if, uh, if I didn't do those things, what, what happened to my value, right. Mm -hmm. And my self-acceptance was based on all of these other things outside of me, not wholly and completely on myself. Right. I mean, can you relate to that? <laughs> oh, on a real, on a real level. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's really what happened. I mean, when I turned 30, it was about my 30th year that everything, like literally everything in my life went up into the air in a good way by my choice. And I threw out, I, I threw out all the authorities in my life, every last one of them, every spiritual authority, every uh, familial authority, even my, uh, professional authorities, like everything. I just threw it all out. And I just came back inside myself and said, okay, Carmel, what's what, what do you know? What do you not know mm -hmm. without all of these other voices and all these other agendas going on? What do you know? What you do not, what do you not know? And that was the beginning of the work that I am doing full on now, right there. <laughs> I love that. It's what it sounds like to me is taking back your power um, mm -hmm. and not letting anybody else have that power because we give it away so freely. And then all of a sudden we're in this space and we're like, who am I? And what do I do for myself? Like, I'll admit I went on my first date last night and um, it was it was pretty exciting. Like it was not a, it was not a match, but, um, but I felt so empowered. It was like just all these events that happen when we start really taking our power back and we don't give it to other people. Like, so I'm just, I'm like, so no, excited. Man. Sorry. No, I think that makes sense though. I think we're conditioned though. Honestly, I think from a young age or society conditions people that this is the box that you're supposed to be in, right? Like if you, and how, you, how we um, designate self-worth or, you know, acceptance or what is, what's the correct way to speak or, or conduct yourself as a, as a woman, just, you know, speaking from personal ex experience, um, even you're talking about religious authority. Like mm -hmm. if you don't do X, Y, and Z, this is going to be this negative result. So we have all of this, um, 
just kind of stuff that's being projected onto us. So you're conditioned to be like, this is the box and this is the parameter that I must stay in. And if I do that, you know, that's not good. And so we're conditioned to believe that. But then when you're not finding true happiness or you're not finding, or you're struggling, feeling like you're not being authentic to yourself, there's that struggle. And I think that's inspiring Carmel that you were able to be vulnerable and be brave enough to say, I'm done with this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. And you nailed it, Nicole. That's exactly what it was. It was that I woke up one morning and this clear voice inside me said, I am not happy. Mm. And I knew that it was true. Right. And then I asked the question of that voice because I knew it was true. Why am I not happy? Like there was no argument with what, with that clarity inside of me. And thank God that happened from within my own being. And the answer was really clear. I can never be good enough for God. Like this whole framework that I had grown up in, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't the framework itself. It was me and the framework. They didn't fit. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really agree with people about that because, um, we have to find where we fit with ourselves as we are, right? And what that was and who I was did not go together. And yet I had been trying so hard to make myself fit with that for so long. And um, at that point in time, that particular day, I just knew that it was him or me. Like I was either going to continue down the path that I had been and never accept myself exactly as I was, Cause that was, I already knew, I knew every nook and cranny of that whole way of thinking and, uh, and had exhausted it. Um, or I was going to say no to that authority at that point, the, the, the authority that it had in my life. And I was instead going to go into myself and say, what do you know, Carmel? Mm-hmm. Everything else gone. Mm-hmm. What do you know? Because it either had to fit me or not fit me. And by, by the end of the day, I made the decision. It was, just, it was the, one of the biggest maybe the biggest decision of my life. Um, yeah. I, do you guys remember with like little kids, like the, the shape and the, like the circle into a square. Do you guys remember that little, yeah. I honestly, when you're describing what you were experiencing, Carmel, I'm thinking of like a circle wooden block and there's the square hole and we're trying to like make these two things work and it just isn't working. It isn't working. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly right. Because there, I think that happens with us with a lot of things with our self-acceptance in our life. We're just used to all of us. We're used to fitting ourselves into so many relationships and so many professional situations. And, you know, even within our businesses, the hats that we don't, you know, wear comfortably that don't fit us, but we're still going to yank those hats on the marketing hat or the, you know, the, visible speaker hat or whatever. I don't know what it is. Right. Or but even the mask, um, the hat or the mask. Cause I think the mask. the mask is a, is a huge thing too, that well we turn said. into the person that we think our audience. So the people that are around us, what they want us to, what they want to see, you know? I think that's perfectly said. Say more about that, Tina. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just, I feel like, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, there's a, you show up a certain way in a certain setting for the people that are around you. Um, I know that I have like 
religious friends, I show up different when I'm in their presence than when me and Nicole are hanging out. We're being our completely authentic self and we might be dropping some F-bombs or whatever else. <laughs> I don't know what Maybe. she's talking about, by the way. <laughs> I'm joking. It, like, there's such a sense of freedom when you get to that point in your life where you're like, take me as I am. Um, this is who I am. And I guess I, I probably do... I, I consider um, what that professional relationship looks like. And so I don't go outside that boundary. I kind of, I guess, make sure that I'm not being offensive, you know, that I'm considering people's uh, feelings or emotions, but um, it is very freeing when I'm in a space with people that I completely trust and I don't have to wear any kind of mask. Mm-hmm. I think that you nailed it right there, bullseye. I guess for me, the work that I do is to say, how do we bring ourselves to the point where we trust ourselves completely enough to be without mask as much as we know how to be Mm -hmm. without masks Mm -hmm. on with everybody. Um, and you know, obviously there's respectful interaction. Like I don't swear around my mother, you know, right. You know, that would be really hard for her. Um, but you know, I, um, I'm not hiding myself when I do that. It's just respectful interaction. If she and I hung out all the time, then she'd probably be exposed <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> because I'm not going to not be myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that it's important because, you know, we have the sense of that, but the other challenge we have is figuring out who this person is and who we think we are is only, uh, it's a fraction in the core self-discovery work that I do with people that is all about how we come into radical self-acceptance. It is a long process, this year program with just going deep into one area after another. And I watch as one person after another comes through more and more transparent to the outside of themselves. So literally they are pulling those masks off and they are taking off the hats that don't fit them, whether it's a relationship or it's a career direction or um, a, a place that they're living or even, you know, toxic relationships or friendships or, you know, or just community that no longer serves them um, diet and health. I mean, there's so many different things in that, that once we start to get more and more authentic with ourselves, more trusting and truthful with ourselves, we have that choice. Am I going to continue to play the game with myself and everybody else? Or am I going to stop the game? And if I stop the game, how, who am I and how do I do this? How do I live? (laughs) I'm just, I'm, I'm digesting because I felt like, and I'll, I'm going to be vulnerable, which Tina will be proud of me for that. But I felt like the first 27 years of my life, I lived authentic in inauthentic life. Truly. I felt like I was trying to fit into everybody else's expectations or what I thought was the right thing to do or the right thing to say, or the right way to behave. And truly through, um, which for some people, they might not think this, but for me, getting a divorce was a great way to be like, Mm -hmm. I'm starting over. I'm resetting my life and getting rid of a toxic situation. And I'm resetting my life and I'm taking back my voice or finding my voice. Cause 
I had lost that. And so I told Tina this, when I got divorced, I made a promise to myself that I, I truly keep, and she probably knows what I'm about to say already, but truly I made a promise that I would never live unauthentic to myself ever again, because I felt like I wasted so much time in my life, not being true to me or honoring the inner me. And it's still a journey every day, truly of like, who am I or what I'm about? But I'm all about being authentic, Nicole. And I, you know, obviously for certain settings, you're going to be, you know, more respectful than others, but maybe you're getting Nicole light, but I always try in every situation to be true to me at the, at the end of the day or to my core, because I don't want to ever live like that again. Yeah. Well, and like one thing that you said too, as you were going through that transformational, we're going to use that word because I love it, Carmel, (laughs) that transformational part of your life in, and that you saw that the situation you were in is you didn't think that you deserved anything more than what you were getting. And so I think that comes with seeing and realizing I have a lot more value than what I've given myself credit for or what I've allowed people to place upon me. And then amen, right? (laughs) We're raising our hands in there. Um, But uh, you're owning your authentic self is because you're like, I love that. I love that about you because you are true to yourself and you see the value that you have and, and how you contribute to everybody around you. That means a lot. Thank you, my friend. It's totally true. And just the journey that you talked about, Nicole, I mean, really that um, the, the becoming clear about the difference between what was what you thought was real and what is actually real, that sometimes can be, you know, the distance of the earth to the sun. Like it can be so so true. Right. (laughs) And we have no idea. We just accept that, that inauthenticity as authentic in us for a long time until something makes it clear to us. And that's something you can, sometimes it can come from the outside. Sometimes it comes from the inside or both. Right. Mm -hmm. But it forces us face to face to have to look at this, this disparity between who we really are, the truth on the inside of who we really are and what we have been doing or playing at for a long time. And I think, Tina, you said that really well with the masks. I think we can get really comfortable with those masks, right? Like I remember when I started this version of my business in 2012 and I started to really push out there out of the local communities and going national and then international. And as I did that, my imposter was just like, and of course Mm -hmm. my imposter is never gone. None of our imposters ever gone. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was just like a monster just taking over. And I felt most comfortable presenting this very put together everything (laughs) looks organized and everything looks like it's been done (laughs) and, um, polished and, um, no problems whatsoever person in the, in the bigger space in my, in my work with people always that would just come down because it just wasn't authentic. I couldn't, there wouldn't be no reason, but I started to realize that I was, I was doing this. I felt so uncomfortable and even had insecurity about these big steps I was taking. And it's easy when we do that to just form the mask, right. Mm -hmm. And put it on. And what is it that we need to do to, to be out there. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of compassion for that. 
not, I, I can't judge her that part of me. Right. I mean, she's doing the best that she can, isn't she? She's, oh, yeah. I mean, we're doing it. We're getting out there. We're doing what we know we are to be doing. And so I think we all get to have those learning curves in that process. That's part of our radical self-acceptance. It isn't like, Oh, I've arrived and I don't need to ever, you know, if I have a, if I find myself having put a mask on again or hiding in some way, or, you know, heading down a path that, I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't right for me. If I, if that happens, the core of my self-acceptance says it's okay. Yeah. Right. It doesn't say, oh, you got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you made the deal with yourself, Carmel. You were not going to go against yourself. And here you went against yourself. That's not what my self-acceptance says. My self-acceptance says life is, is a game of roulette, man. You, you throw that ball starts rolling and you throw the dice and like everything's, let's see what happens. Right. Like we're going to see what we're going to keep taking risks and we're going to keep trying at things and we're going to be better and better, faster and faster at seeing when we step out of that center place of ourselves and get ourselves back into the center place again. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Having that level of self-awareness and and truly it's a journey every, every day, you know, you're working on it and some days you're on point and other days you fall back into your old habits. That's just life though. And I think that's just really important that you, we show grace to other people, show grace to yourself or our patience with ourselves on our, our ongoing journey of life of living our authentic truths. So true. I have to tell you this little story. It's so great. So I had, um, it was, I think in 2013, I, or 2012, I had, um, moved, I, I had lost my entire life as it had been two years before. And so still in kind of the aftermath of that, in 2012, I moved to a new city. I had nobody. I was living in a new place. Um, I had basically let go of my business that had been before. And I was reinventing everything into this new version of what I was going to be doing on a much bigger scale. And I didn't know how to do it because I'd never done it before. So I was basically at ground zero, 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 zero. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I remember, um, it was so hard and so lonely. It's the loneliest I've ever been in my entire life. And it gave me an immense amount of compassion for people who feel loneliness all the time for different reasons that I'd never really understood in that way before. But also in that time, I knew because I'd done a lot of work prior to this. um, I knew that I was not a victim of anything. I was making all my choices and no matter what life brought me, I was not a freaking victim of any of it. Like, no, ma'am. I was showing up. <laughs> so then months into this, all of a sudden, like I have these few days where I just feel really like, you know, not good and kind of like, I couldn't figure it out. Like my normal, you know, just take it on and get it done to all this stuff. Wasn't there. Like things weren't, you know, weren't really working the way they had been working. And I wouldn't say that I felt down. Like, I couldn't say that because that would be my choice. And I can't actually say that I feel down in some way. Right. But I was standing in the middle of my little flat in the avenues here in Salt Lake at that time. And I remember where I was standing and I just finally stopped these days of this. And I stopped and I said, what is going on? What is this? And I just did some deep internal uh, check-ins with myself 
And I had to go layers and layers and layers deep until I found this little tiny poor me with how hard everything was. And like, it was just me standing on the edge of this big cliff, getting ready to jump off of it. And like, not knowing how I was going to fly and what was going to happen and everything. There's this little tiny, was so down there, so deep because I would not let anything come in and <clears throat> be a victim of anything in my life. And when I found that little poor me, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I remember I just, I saw it and I was like, <gasps> what? <laughs> Where has this person been hiding? <laughs> How did you get in here? <laughs> this is long past. We don't do this anymore. And I stood there for a second and then I was like, I know what I'm doing. And you guys have seen the movie G.I. Jane, right? I hope. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, right. Love Demi so, Moore with that shaved head. Oh. <laughs> We're all living for that. <laughs> all living for that. You're absolutely right. So I walked into my bathroom, which had this massive mirror across the wall. And I picked up one of my dry erase markers because I would actually do my, my uh, mind mapping and you know brain stuff on my bathroom mirror with my dry erase markers. So I picked up my dry erase marker and I wrote out the poem, the D.H. Lawrence poem. I never saw a wild thing, sorry for itself. A bird with all frozen dead from its branch without ever feeling sorry for itself. I wrote it out word for word. And as I wrote it, I just let it come all the way into my subconscious, into my heart, into my spirit. And I chose every single thing again in my life. And that moment just really stands out for me in different, in different times in my life, because we always, we're going to always confront if we're really living on purpose, we're going to confront new challenges. We're going to challenge our own self-acceptance over and over again. Right. And we're going to feel like we're beginners and novices and we're going to get everything wrong. And we're going to feel like we messed up badly on something or many things. We missed an opportunity, whatever it is. And that moment coming back to that for myself again and again, is that I accept everything exactly as it is right now, including myself, Deep breath. Okay. What's next? And here we go. Mm. It reminds me, um, I'm going to be a little vulnerable too. I was climbing. I had a moment that was kind of like that. And I, and I'm sharing this because I hope our listeners are, are feeling that if they haven't experienced this, that, that there is, they, they just, they'll find it. Um, but I was climbing a mountain. I was feeling very down and I was crying every step of the way up that mountain. And, um, I kept repeating this mantra, like, um, I can climb this mountain one step at a time. I kept repeating that over and over. And, um, when I finally got to the top of the mountain, it was like this whole exhilarating experience and like this feeling like I was able to do something. It like meant so much more than climbing that mountain. It like opened up my awareness of everything. And without thinking about it, I had pulled out my phone and I recorded my voice because I had all these thoughts that were just going through my brain. And I knew that I couldn't capture it as fast as I was thinking. So I recorded myself and um, it was about an hour later and I was listening to this recording and it was a love note to myself. And it was, it was the most amazing thing. And, and I was, I left it for myself and I was like, Tina Kay, you are an an amazing woman. Look at how far you've come. Look at what you've accomplished. And I found that recording just within, since we've talked, um, I thought that it had been destroyed somehow, but I had actually emailed it to myself and I re-listened to it. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, we have, each of us have this huge cheerleader inside of us. And we're just trying to, to, um, to make the best life that we can and just to love ourselves the most that we can. And, and it's just finding that, finding that voice inside of us and elevating it. Yeah. That's brilliant. Thank God you emailed that to yourself. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I still cry when I listen to it. I'm like, holy cow. Like, and just to, just to even see myself from that point to where I'm at now, that was just one step. And it just opened up like, like this whole path that's been incredible. Just an incredible journey. Once I took, took power in my own voice and my person. I think that's brilliant. When I take, when I bring clients in to do this work, one of the core things that they hear from me early on and then throughout over and over and over again is we are not learning how to love ourselves. We are learning how to come back into the love that we have already for ourselves inside. It already exists. It has existed from the moment we were a spark. We were, we were, you know, conceived and that is the truth. And, and our journey to get back to that, maybe it's hard and it takes a long time, but it is worth it for every single human being. Every life matters. It doesn't matter what we've done. Every life matters. And that love inside of us for ourselves is the truth of who we are. That's what I say. And I will say it forever and ever for the rest of my life. It is the truth of who we are. So when we are coming back inside to find our truth, whatever that is, we have a decision we need to make, or there's, you know, a new thing on the horizon, or trying to find our purpose and get our clarity about our vision or, or whatever it might be. We cannot do that authentically unless we are also coming to find and touch that love for ourselves on the inside that exists already. Those can't be separated. Crucial decisions with our truth, vision that we're trying to create, purpose we're trying to connect to, that is always part of that same journey of touching the love that we have for ourselves. It's all part of the same. I love that so much, Carmel. I've never heard it um, described that way or even put into words that way. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that moment too. I, I I feel like that's probably one of the core things that I have on the planet in this lifetime. I don't know how I just know it and feel it, but I have known it and felt it my entire life. And then coming to my own with myself to really be that clear and to be that adamant with every other person is, you know, just the journey that I'm on now. It's the path. So I'm very, very grateful. Well, we're fortunate that our paths have crossed <laughs> truly. Um, cause really, you know, when you think about, we're always saying, Oh, we have to do X, Y, and Z to, um, you know, create self-love or do we have to, you know, go to a retreat, read books, you know, do all of this stuff to, you know, develop the self-love, but you've already, what you're describing is the seeds already been planted. We already have that love within ourselves. We just need to nurture it and feed it. And I just think, wow, like if I would have known that forever ago, I probably would have saved myself some time. I already have <laughs> myself a whole entire time. <laughs> I know I've had the, the thought before to myself. I, I love to think about the core of my being as that love of myself, right? Like 
just it is the inception of me that there is nothing but that at the very center and then that means that everything that i take on you know maybe i forget about that connection sometimes but it's always there and when we go through really hard very painful challenges or tragedies or losses of different kinds for some reason pain has a unique relationship to consciousness in us mm-hmm. unlike anything else and the amazing thing about pain and the paradoxical thing about pain is that it can be dangerous to us but we also need it right that um that it is something that um we can't live without into certain degree um and that yet you know at the same time it's it's so hard for us to deal with there's so many different paradoxical elements to pain but the thing about it in its effects on our ability to become more conscious of ourselves is this very thing i'm talking about that why is it i asked myself this question why is it that we can go through huge challenges and loss and tragedies and in those spaces more than anywhere else in our lives we can become more aware of us of our own self and we can also become more connected to this core of who we are this core inside and um and i consider it a gift you know it's 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 the <laughs> it's the it's the strange gift in pain itself that we have that ability but I wanted to also add in that that um we want to tell a story like you know everything happens for a reason or we want to say you know my pain happened so that this and this and this could happen. I think that we are infinitely bigger than putting simple meanings like that on an experience that we have. And what I would ask when since we're having this conversation people will be listening to this what I would ask is that maybe we all consider that the experiences we have we are always massively bigger than any of those experiences they didn't make us who we are they didn't show us they didn't um somehow construct who we are they showed us like a mirror a little bit more just a little bit more of who we already are of who we've already been and maybe we can use all of those challenging experiences that come into our lives to expand the mirror to be able to see ourselves and when we can see ourselves better and bigger like that we see everybody else that same way and it goes on in a ripple effect outward it's it's i can't it's it's shook it shook it that's so beautiful really carmel and just the way you even describe you know we always through hardship and pain really there is that beauty i mean truly if i sit back and reflect on my life and even like i talked about you know my motto or my my oath to myself about living authentically if i didn't go through that I don't know when or if I would have ever came to that realization of I'm not happy and I'm not being true to myself. When am I going to live it if I didn't go through that really dark and painful um, chapter of my life? So they're really that just is so true. Really, through pain, there's power, and through pain, you know, there's beauty that comes on the other side of it. It doesn't break you, <laughs> and it has its unique relationship to our awareness of yes. self, our consciousness that's exactly right like there's it's not saying like this is the only way it's just saying it's uniquely powerful for that for sure 
It's yeah. that power of choice though, truly. Cause we can just, you know, what you were saying, like, Oh, poor me, like being, you know, don't be, you know, be the victor of your story, right? We're not the victim. We're the victor of our stories, no matter, you know, how challenging they may be because everyone's paths are different, but, um, you know, taking that power back. That's part of, you know, finding your authentic self, right. Is taking that power and, and really growing from those experiences and making the choice, no matter what situation you, you see yourself in or that you're facing that you're going to rise above it. You're going to dare to rise. That plug, <laughs> like that plug, everybody. <laughs> that is the result, isn't it? Perfectly yeah. said. <laughs> to dare to rise, no matter what you face, dare to rise. Truly. I mean, when you really think of dare to rise, it's that's, it's simple, but powerful. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Very true. It's, this is just so, I love the term magical because it just feels like amazing. Yes, <laughs> it is amazing. Um, Carmel, I just love how you're saying that because I know I, I have, I've been known to say, you know, I am who I am because of what I've experienced. But listening to you, um, I can see how it has just expanded who I already, who I was the whole time. I just didn't see it until I experienced some of those things. And um, that's what I think uh, lately just really coming into my power. Like I was just telling Nicole earlier, um, you know, there's been a lot of times in my life where maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I really haven't done anything wrong, but I am apologizing right up front saying, I'm sorry. And, um, and I was just reading something the other day that said, why, why are we apologizing all the time for something that isn't really like, we don't have control over some of these things that happen. And, and, um, and before the podcast started, we were just talking about, instead of saying, I'm sorry, I was late. Thank you for your flexibility. Thank you for your patience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Can we talk about this? I don't know, but it feels like it was in another life we did. <laughs> okay. Cause that's exactly the thing that I figured out too. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I love late. that. Oh I my God. You guys, that. this is perfect. <laughs> no, please continue. I just, yeah, no, amazing. I, we, just Nicole and I were talking before we started tonight and um, just not giving Nicole away was, that. Cause Nicole was rushing and I'm telling Tina like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I'm more organized or prepared. And she was like, stop, let me share this with you. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for being patient. Thank you for being an understanding friend because I value her more than she knows some days, but that was just her checking in me. And I think that's always such a blessing and something you should always appreciate is the people around you that help you along your path to being your best self or growing and, mm-hmm. you know, loving you through your, through your growing periods. And that's what Tina does for me all the time. It's mutual. (laughs) Thanks, my friend. (laughs) So Carmel, what happened? What led you to kind of come up with that too? Oh, you know, it was in my office back in Utah County many, many years ago, and I am notoriously late. And I, this was at the same time that I had thrown out all the authorities and I started to clean house and there was so much emotional blackmail in me and in my life. Emotional blackmail are four things. I teach on this fear, Mm -hmm. obligation, guilt, and shame. Mm -hmm. And so I 
was going through and basically doing a guilt cleanse because guilt had me by the throat constantly. It was in everything, every text message I sent, even when it was a simple little text message for nothing else, it was just like, I was already guilty. You know, like I just, I was afraid. I wanted everybody to know what my intent was and I was sincere. And like, you know, I, I didn't want anybody to misunderstand. And I felt guilty about anything that hadn't happened before it even could happen. Right. Like constantly. And I recognized that. And I was like, wow, that is really a lot of bullshit. So that has to change. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was doing intentionally for myself at that time, a guilt cleanse. And so I would, um, there were two things that happened. The one that is the one you already talked about a top say in a second. And the other was this, that I would start to say something like, Oh, I need, or I should, or, you know, whatever. And it's kind of guilt language, right? It has a guilt twist in it. And I would stop myself and I'd say, wait, let me rephrase. And then I would rephrase what I was saying. It didn't matter who it was. It was a client. It was the person in the grocery store. It was my partner. It was, you know, whoever. Wait, let me rephrase. So it was me catching and changing, catching and changing to move that out. And then the other was I felt guilty all the time about my, um, as I call it, my um, um, <laughs> uh, punctuality impairedness. That's what but I, can't, <laughs> I can't tell jokes and I can't be on time. So those two things. <laughs> But at least we know what they are and I can disclaim myself right up front. So, um, but uh, what I ended up finding was that I wasn't going to feel guilty about it anymore. So what was my solution? My solution was um, I just needed to recognize how much I accepted myself and how much I also was so grateful for the graciousness of other people. And I would just thank them. I would thank them and be grateful. And it turns out that gratitude is the best antidote to guilt there's ever been ever, ever, ever. Instead of feeling guilty, I feel grateful. <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> so yeah, you got the same thing. I'm, that's really freaking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's, I think when we're just open to like, when we're living in our present and we're just mindful and aware of what's going on and how our brain is going and the emotions we feel inside, like there's just these aha moments that come. And when we're in the rush, maybe we don't see it. Um, even like as you're talking about guilt and shame and stuff, I like even the simple things, like as a parent, um, there were times where I felt guilty for asking my kids to take the garbage out. Like, why did I feel guilty? Because I could do it myself. So I like tacked on this guilt. And so I would, I would, ask my kids if they would take out the garbage. And finally, my son looked at me one day. He's like, why do you ask me? Why can't you just say, go take the garbage out? And I was like, well, I thought I was being nice. I thought I was giving you an option. He's like, do I really have an option though? <laughs> I was like, well, that's true. <laughs> but um, it just really helped me kind of see things even more, more clearly with how I communicate to my kids and try and take that layer of guilt out. I shouldn't have guilt for asking them to do something for me. Right. Right. We should never feel guilty for asking for what we need. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, it's so hard. It's hard, so hard, hard, but that was so good. What you just said. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shouldn't, I mean, we may not get it right. And this is one of my big life lessons. It's one of my biggest, hardest life lessons is asking for what I need because I will just I will actually take care of it myself. I will go do what I need to do. I will write it all. <laughs> but what is the, what is the real lesson for me? And it's been, you know, three, three and a half years of this coming hardcore for me, three and a half years of my not having a home until just this last four days ago, five days ago. 
Well, congratulations. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Whole other story for us. But um, it was, um, I just lost my train. <laughs> the new home, I'm like, oh. <laughs> the feeling gratitude instead of the guilt. Right. And yeah, that we don't, we should never, we should never feel guilty for asking for what we, we, need, what we right? need. Yeah. And, and for me, this last, you know, three and a half years, what gets in the way when I am so independent and I'm not going to ask for what I need, I'm going to just go make it all happen for myself and not bring other people into it and all of that is we shut down our hearts. Like that's what I had effectively done is I had put, you know, my heart was like halfway open and, you know, with, with any person individually, my heart be fully open, but like in my life and trusting life and trusting what I wanted and needed to be able to be there for me and come, you know, however it was going to happen. I was like, Hmm, I'm not going to go all the way there. I'm just going to make it happen the way I need to happen. And, you know, interestingly for me, my path was quite opposite because I need to be fully trusting to do everything that is now in front of me to do with my work. So the universe is like, yeah, sorry, no. And uh, I got smacked down big time over and over and over again, put into situations where the only alternative I really had was to ask for help. And I would rather die than do that because it hurts so badly. It hurt. It literally physically hurt for me to be that vulnerable and ask for help in a, in a wide space, not just with people I knew, but in a wide space. Right. And it was, it, it's been one of the most amazing learning experiences for me in my life. It's been another level of self-acceptance. I mean, really that's what it is. It comes down to that because to be that vulnerable to say what I need and to not feel afraid or guilty or obligated by whoever's going to step up, right. To be obligated to them or to feel ashamed mm -hmm. or needing in the mm -hmm. first place. Right. Like those are the huge, the hugest, hugest, hugest heart. And that's what I kept being put into the position of over and over again until I just finally, you know, that coming fully into the place of just saying, okay, fine. <laughs> I'm here and going in and having, I could tell you stories, miracles, like full on real life, unbelievable, no freaking way miracles happen. Right. And what it said to me was what I've come to this, you know, last year, year and a half of my life is this is your trust walk, Carmel. It's the trust walk from here on. Like, are you really going to trust? You've done all this other work. You've done so much. You're not supposed to be focused over here anymore. You're supposed to be focused on doing, taking what you're doing out there. And you need, you need to trust completely in the path instead of trying to orchestrate it and, and control it all the time. You just need to trust it. So, I, my path. so, so. I, have a, I have a question. And after hearing what you just shared, I really am curious how you, what your answer would be to this. Do you find it, is it easy or hard for you to be emotionally naked? Is that easy or is that hard for you? Um, excellent question. Um, I think that it has become increasingly easy for me to be emotionally naked. Wouldn't you think? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like we get in here and, and talk about, I mean, I can tell you about my nightmare move this last five days and just be completely straight up about it and not hide anything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I guess I feel, I mean, being emotionally naked is not the same thing as, um, giving up our privacy, right? Mm -hmm. So 
we can be a very private person, which I think is, you know, I am, um, and many people are, but being emotionally naked is that approachability, that vulnerability, that openness and to connection, um, with others. And, our ability to be in that space is not only synergistically feeding us, it also feeds others and it creates more than the sum of the parts. It doesn't matter who we are coming in contact with. Every, every bit of our consciousness that is open and engaging with others creates a ripple effect that goes out in these powerful, positive ways beyond them and us. So I think that being emotionally naked is maybe hard, but very, very important. <laughs> I'm like, I think journey. it's scary. <laughs> that's why I was curious to see what you would say. I'm like, I think that sounds scary. <laughs> but it's freeing at the same time. Like think yes. about this, right? You've come so far in your journey of self. You have come so far to have you and nobody else is going to be this authority for you, Nicole, like you've shared enough with me, like, and it's fierce and it's beautiful and it's right on. And so then what comes after that, you know, I had my good friend, Bridget Kirk Birch, um, on one of our Italy retreats after it was all over, she said, she observed to me, um, she said, so <laughs> she approached me so carefully, <laughs> bless her heart. <laughs> and she said, um, so you have this little heart wall, and I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, well, and she's trying to be so gentle about it. Right. And she's like, like your heart's so open and you love and all of these things and like all of this. And she's like, but you have this little wall in here, like this little part that like, you just, you're not going to open up. And it's not that, you know, you don't love people. You absolutely do. But this part you will not open. And she said that, and I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the information. Like, you know, <laughs> and I walked away from that conversation with this, you know, halfway, I was like, what the hell does she be? <laughs> I'm going to tell her to listen to this podcast. <laughs> and then this other half of me that was like, is there a heart wall? <laughs> I think there might be a heart wall. Damn it. <laughs> And then the next few years were the dismantling of this very small, but absolutely huge, intense heart wall that was still hanging in there in my life. And Nicole, I mean, really, um, it's, I mean, the only thing, the thing I can say is that you don't have to do it, but the thing that recommends it is my absolute freedom in myself. Oh, I love That's that. That's the thing that recommends it. It's, you know, I mean, I didn't have to do that. I, you know, but the journey of it, which was a very, like I've shared a little bit now about it, you know, being that vulnerable and open and in big ways and all of that, it was, um, it was the path that was necessary for my greatest purposes to be fulfilled in my life. And the two were, you know, tied together, this little opening of my heart wall mm. and my fulfilling with my books, with the work that I do with people, all of that. And to trust instead of trying to manufacture and orchestrate everything all the time from the non-place of trust. That was what that heart wall was all about. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It does. I'm reflecting a lot on that. I can relate to that on a, well, cause I do, I always say like being vulnerable is like uncomfy. Like it makes me uncomfortable. Like Tina, I feel like does a way better job. But when I start talking about like 
my heart, I think I have a heart wall. When you just said that, I'm like, oh, maybe that's what I have too. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> matters of the heart um, can be painful and they can be scary. But like you just said, but there's also so much beauty and freedom that comes from having it opened too. Yes, that's true. And what I would say, if I could with you. Oh, of course you can. You're my friend. (laughs) You're my friend, Carmel. (laughs) I'm honored by that. Um, What I would say, Nicole, to you personally in this, just from my little, you know, you and I together in this moment is the most private visions of your purpose that you have inside you right this moment that you know are there every day. They're always right there. And I can see, I can just see them all written across you, right? Those most private visions are the path of you opening that heart wall completely and being that vulnerable. The vulnerability is the fulfilling of those most private visions of your purpose inside and everywhere it wants to take you. There's, I mean, that's it. That's what I would say. And so then it's a matter of, am I going to continue to fight it and fight myself in it? Um, And, you know, avoid detour, go other directions to not have to hit into that. Or am I going to, for myself, it was okay. Am I going to just get really humble? Other people seem to have a much easier time at that. Tina, thank you for the, for the example (laughs) of being so humble. (laughs) It's practice and hard and it's, I'm not perfect by any means. So you're inspiring though. You are, you are, but I really, Nicole, I see the same thing like you and I both in this, right? Like, like it's so hard to take that strength and get really humble and open up our vulnerability because it feels like if we do that, we give up our strength. hundred percent. And I felt like my strength and my power for so long. Um, I hope this doesn't sound totally cliche, but really I felt like for so long it was taken from me and I didn't, I felt powerless and that was not a good feeling. And so again, I'm like, I never going to feel that way again. So then again, part of that healing journey, you're going to have to do that. So it's like a battle that, um, I have with myself still all the time. And that's why truly I feel like the journey is ongoing. Some days I'm like on it and willing to dive in there a little bit and I'll be open up to my people like Tina and my husband. And other times it's like, I'm not going there. Like I'll tell Tina like that. It's like that my heart wall, now that I know what it's called, it is locked. (laughs) It is not opening. So, um, but again, I think that's part of the journey is having that awareness and I know where I want to be. I know where I want my life to go and I just have to do the work. Yeah, me too. I'm right there with you. I mean, it's sorry, Carmel. I just wanted to say it's truth what you're saying. Like when you're talking to Nicole about some of that stuff, it, it gives me that goosebumps. I know you call it something else, but it gives me the goosebumps that it's so true. And I feel it. And I know that Nicole has these dreams. Like there's, there's so much power inside of her. And, um, I know just honored to be in her space and to be honored in your space. Like everything that you're talking about, um, there's so much power for all of us to really think about and, and, um, and to just grab onto. And, um, and that does take a lot of vulnerability. Um, but like I, uh, the last few years, it's, 
like I've really had to learn how to be vulnerable and, um, I was really good about, uh, sharing certain aspects of my life. Um, but there is that protection, you know, to, to, again, the mask thing, um, to, to put on the face that you think everybody expects, um, but inside to be really hurting a lot, you know? Mm. So, um, when you say Bridget, she's been a part of that journey for me. And, um, the last few years have been the most, the, you know, the most growth, uh, just being open to my story and really thinking about how all of that, um, what my journey has been. So I think when, you know, cause we were talking about my doing a little bit of that, you know, not that we have time tonight, but you know, a little of the coaching directly with you. And I did just, you know, that little moment with you, Nicole, just now, but you know, the thing that I, I have felt with you, um, which you brought up twice now in the conversation, um, in different ways is the absolute trusting of yourself like really trusting everything that's there that you know and not doubting or questioning for a second everything that's already there that you know like that's that feels like that big challenge right like to stay in that cuz you what i notice you are amazing at giving space and support to everybody around you like you and you have like you have the um you're like the the soul whisperer with people. Like you just know how to see. She's magical see herself, right? <laughs> yes. You step in, and what is it that you need? And I, you just lift. You just use all your resources to see who people really are and lift them, whether in their own eyes or just overall or in general or with others, to lift them into that space that you see who they really are being, right? And you do it without even thinking. Like you don't even have to think about it. You just do it. I'm going to watch you again and again and again do this. And it's phenomenal. And so I guess the part that I would say in that is um, the rest of the distance feels at this juncture, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about something with me. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. Um, I would say to you, um, between you and I, my own path of not trusting for the last 20 years, what I had already done the groundwork on and then letting myself take the circuitous path to finally trust myself and put it all out there. And it was already there. It's there. Like you, you can take more of a circuitous path if you want, or you can just full on just trust (laughs) yourself all the way (laughs) with the things that are clear inside you that you know, and keep going and keep doing it. And don't, and like, that's when you are, you're literally like this, just iron core into the center of the planet. Like it's just so rooted, so grounded. When you said, I'm an amazing woman, when I was watching your face and you were telling the story and the moment you said that all the parts of you, wherever they were hanging out, all came into the center (laughs) and you were that iron core of solidity, strength, perfect strength, unassailable strength. And, um, and it was, it was amazing. Like, you know, it, you know, this inside. And so that would be my, that would be what I would say is know what, you know, (laughs) don't back down for a second. I don't say that to very many people, by the way. (laughs) 
And that's the hugest of, or the biggest of biggest compliments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After we stop recording, we'll talk some more about that. <laughs> great. Great. Oh. I, I'm so excited to hear that. So, um, oh, sorry, come out. Um, but before we let you go tonight, I did want to ask you, because at least I can relate to myself and probably I want some of our listeners may be feeling the same way. Part of why they're, and now that I know what it's called, their heart wall is staying up or they're having challenges is because there may be shame or blame or guilt that they're dealing with that makes it scarier for them to really open it up and really, you know, get back in the trenches of dealing with those emotions. Um, what would your advice or guidance or how do you even deal? What's your relationship with those type of, um, I don't want to call them negative emotions, but maybe t- more uncomfortable emotions. Well, I call emotional blackmail, dirty money under the table. We deal in it all the time, whether with ourselves or with somebody else. So if you think about that dirty money passed under the table, shame, uh, guilt, uh, obligation, and fear, that's what those are. They are not help. They are, they are not, um, they're hindering for us. They're teachers for sure, but they're definitely hindering. Um, that I would say the one thing I will say is when I lead people through my core self work, Um, We do deep work into the emotional blackmail. So I have people do shame cleanse and guilt cleanse and fear mapping. The fear dialogues is what I call them and obligation map. And when you go through those, you first of all have to get very clear about what they are and then how you are engaging them, whether you engage them with other people where you're putting it on others or they're putting it on you or you're doing it to yourself. It's those Mm -hmm. three different kinds of situations. And, um, the first thing that I would say to answer your question is awareness. Awareness is the number one thing. If you don't even know about them, then you can't do anything. And then once you know about them, you have to start to observe where you are engaging, um, with any four of those emotional blackmail patterns. And, um, and then once you start engaging with the emotional blackmail patterns, uh, then you're able to, um, you're able to start to do the work. Like I told you, I did that guilt cleanse. I came up with that on my own. I mean, there's nothing there, you know? And so then I've adapted that into part of what I teach people to do in cleansing out the the guilt paradigm, right? Because it just, if you have it, it's recursive into everything. I still have to deal with it to this day. But the first and most important thing is understanding that they exist and becoming aware of how we are using them in our lives or allowing them, choosing them in. And then from there, we can start to do the work of it. But it is a deeper work. And I can't take all the credit for emotional blackmail. Susan Forward wrote this initial book, Emotional Blackmail, um, where she just talked about fear, obligation, and guilt. When I started, take, picked that up and started to run with it forward in my work, and she's talking about how people do it to you and to become aware of that, I recognized that there's shame and that we do it to other people as well. That wasn't really in her book and that we do it to ourselves. And we need to, we need to learn not how to fight against emotional blackmail. We need to learn how to transform ourselves out of the patterns of that, because it's like a, it's like a target on your back. You're the one drawing shame into your life. So you need to take the target off. You're the one drawing guilt into your life in all different forms. You need to take that target off. So that's what I would say kind of the, the quicker version. Oh no, that was amazing. So I appreciate you sharing that. And most important question of the night that I'm going to ask you though, is how do you dare to rise? 
<laughs> right now, um, my daring to rise is staying put for another year in the United States. Oh, I love that. So You're going to be close I, to us. I love it. <laughs> yes. And getting um, all of the book proposals done and to agent and publisher. So that's oh. my dare to rise this year. And that means you're coming back on the podcast, my friend. <laughs> Many times. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, Carmel, it, this has been such a huge honor and such a blessing to share this space with you, this time with you. And so thank you so much for joining our podcast and sharing your knowledge and your, your wisdom truly. So thank you for coming on tonight. Yes, definitely. I know that uh, I'm looking forward to some future uh, retreats to Italy. So I'll be saving my saving my money and scheduling some time off to join you on an upcoming adventure. I think that so, sounds amazing. Yeah. I think we need to have a Dare to Rise adventure to Italy. Yeah, let's make it happen. But but truly, um, for, and for all of our listeners, we're going to have all of Carmel's information in the bio um, for the podcast. So please make sure you check out all of her information. And, you know, if you are you know, aware of a heart wall that you are needing guidance and support getting through, Carmel is the woman that can help you navigate through that. And again, just thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank, thank you. you, Nicole. Thank you, Tina. I'm really honored to be here with both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, Miss Tina Kay, that was an amazing, beautiful conversation. Yeah, I should have had a couple tissues next to me, but um, when you cry, it breaks my heart. (laughs) Um, Again, I I love being on this journey with you as well, my friend. And just to share that space with Carmel truly was such an honor. She brought so much wisdom and just so much insight to discovering, you know, who, who we are, who we authentically are and, and doing the work to to do that um, can be challenging, but the freedom that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the transformation of of all of it, how it comes together. And I think the emotions really, really are the result of a couple of things that she commented on. Um, the ability of loving ourselves, you know, connecting mm-hmm. and also that dirty word of shame um, oh and how God. she said, how did she say that? She said that that shame is the dirty money that you're passing under the table. And yeah. when she said that, I really was like shooketh. Like, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Shame oh my gosh. It fear, just... Yeah. Those m- emotions blame, they really keep us stagnant. They keep us, you know, in the corner. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they keep us really stuck and stagnant. Trapped. And like, yeah. yeah. Trapped. Like a victim in our own cell, I guess. I don't know, but no, definitely I love trapped. So, um, I think something for, for us to take away something for our listeners to take away is, um, to, to not let that shame, uh, control us and to really stand stand up for uh, the ability to love ourselves and not let shame drive how we feel. And I like how, you know, she talked about once you, once you talk about that, once you share it, it doesn't have control anymore. Absolutely. And, and it's ongoing. I think for ourselves and our listeners, if you're on, you know, that journey of um, overcoming shame and, and fear and emo- whatever, you know, challenges that you're facing, you know, show yourself kindness, show yourself that grace. Cause 
you know, some days you are going to slip back and, you know, into bad habits or a negative headspace. And it's having that level of awareness of, okay, this is what I'm doing. And why are we doing it? Okay. How do we, you know, I'm resetting, you know yep. what I mean? Like flip, yep. flip the switch back on and we're resetting and I'm not letting shame, fear, blame, insecurity, whatever that emotion is that you are having a challenge of moving past, we're not going to let that have the power anymore over our lives. Cause at the end of the day, we only have this one, it's Mm -hmm. one, one chance. I love that. I just, I want to stand and shout at the top of the mountain. (laughs) Like we're not letting that stuff dictate who we are, how we feel about ourselves. So, um, we have a lot of power in ourselves that we can unleash a lot of talent and skill. And, um, I see that in you and, um, just see that in what we're able to accomplish and thankful. We have a great producer that helps put this out together, you know, put this out, this, this message for everybody. So I want to give him a quick shout out to, uh, Colby is the man behind the mic. So, <laughs> or behind the, however you would refer to that. Hey, but. I think that sounds good too, but yeah. you know, um, just appreciate the space, um, honor the space that we get to share with people and truly everybody always remember to dare to rise. Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good, let's go and vibe with me. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there, I bring you with me. This is what I'm doing, tell me that you wanna do it with me. This is what I'm doing, tell me that you'll do it with me, baby. Every day I'm doing, improving myself and what I